Roto Grinders presents your first word in daily fantasy sports. The Morning Grind, Stevie TPFL and Company are here to jumpstart your analysis on today's DFS slate. Without further ado, here's your host, Stephen Young. Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Friday, it is October 18th, it's 2019, and we're going to talk some NBA. I know you guys are excited for the NBA season. I get messages every single day asking about NBA, when we're going to do an NBA podcast, when we're going to talk some strategy, yada, yada, yada. Well, today's that day. Today is the day that we're going to talk some NBA strategy. We're going to go over some big you know, lineup moves. We had some questions on Twitter. We're, we'll talk some scoring stats and stuff that we like, but um, I'm joined today by Kyle Murray. I almost called you Kyler Murray, um, and I—it's I, <laughs> funny because the first time we had we had done a podcast together, I, I I said that I would try not to do it, and I almost did it like right off the bat here. Yeah, you know, it happens a pretty good amount of times now. I mean, I'm I'm kind of accepted at this point. I'm okay with it. So, uh, you know, it's always good to be called Kyler Murray rather than something else. So. I'll take it. I saw your tweet the other day. Um, you were like <laughs> quoting like, you know, finally they got it right. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was surprised because I thought it would take a little, you know, less time. But they, they tagged me in one that was actually about him. So uh, they caught up to me finally on, on Twitter. And they can tag you all you want, right? Isn't that the yeah. thing? Like, just keep tagging me. That's fine. Yeah. Give me give me some free followers. Um, that's fine with me. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'll take it. So, yeah, we're going to talk some NBA strategy. If you guys haven't checked out our sponsor, make sure you head on over there, check them out. It's fantasydraft.com. They do have their, their opening night um, contest up for NBA, $15,000 pick and roll, followed by a $30,000 pick and roll for Wednesday. So if you've enjoyed the rake-free DFS over there on Fantasy Draft, they have a pretty nice tournament for a two-game slate on Tuesday. We'll talk about that on the Tuesday podcast and then – a big 11 gamer on Wednesday and um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So some good contests over there in fantasy draft, their NBA product, you know, we're going to talk about all the sites uh, later in the podcast. And I really like their NBA product. Um, it's, it's one of my favorites just because you're not really dealing with like, why is this guy a point guard? He should be a guard and stuff like that. So a shooting guard and stuff. So um, we'll talk about that more when we get into there, but rate, rate free DFS. They do have their big NFL contest this weekend, $300,000 Hooters main event, um, big double ups, three entry max stuff, plenty of stuff to play over there on fantasy draft. So make sure you're checking them out. Um, let's, uh, let's just get started here with maybe some just general NBA strat or strategy talk. And like we could talk, this is kind of like, we can mix strategy talk with the stats that we like and stuff. And, you know, my favorite thing, obviously, everybody has their favorite thing that they look at. But my favorite thing is usage. If a guy doesn't have a lot of usage and he's playing 40 minutes, who cares? Like, and like, so the biggest thing to me, when I'm breaking down a slate and I'm looking at players, like usage is just one of those things that a guy has to have some usage and does his usage increase with the guy out? Um, what are your thoughts just on usage? And, you know, just give me some general NBA talk here. Yeah, so obviously, especially when you look at the higher price guys, usage is huge. Uh, it kind of shows you how often the guy has the ball in his hands. And, you know, it's like it's just kind of the key indicator for volume in NBA. So, you know, for football, you get, you get targets and carries and touches. 
And that's kind of what usage determines for uh, NBA. You know, it shows how often the guy has the ball in his hands, and that's how you create fantasy points. So it's obviously huge. Um, when, you, when you find the cheaper guys, you know, usage is going to go down. That's just kind of how it is naturally. So you have to find other indicators of how he can be successful and how he can, you know, make value when it's a cheaper player. Uh, but overall, yeah, I, ho- I totally agree with you. Usage is huge, and you can't have a guy who is, you know, priced at, you know, 8K or higher or, you know, even expensive beyond your certain belief and have, have low usage. That's a, a huge part of uh, NBA DFS, and it's definitely a key indicator of how, what production the player is going to produce. So, Yeah, you know, obviously, like, usage is, is important. Minutes, you know, anybody that you're going to hear talk about NBA, minutes are king. Um, it's the minutes – solely the most important thing but like it just goes hand in hand with usage in my opinion like a guy can play 40 minutes and have you know 12 percent usage and you know be 7k or something just throwing out a number and not be worth that price tag and you know that's why minutes are money don't get me wrong minutes are important but at the end of the day if you play a ton of minutes and you don't have usage I, I think that you know that's something that you have to look at and minutes equal opportunity in NBA like other sports, you know, for football, for instance, you can be out there for 100% of the snaps and not see the ball. In NBA, if you're on the court with uh, playing a ton of minutes, Kyle, you're just – you're going to run into a rebound, an assist, an uh, easy bucket. Like, it, it, you're not, you're not going to not do something. Yeah, and that's definitely one of the things that you have to look at. And also, I think people kind of get caught up in the historical minutes. So a lot of times in NBA, you know, NBA is a changing landscape every single day. There's always injuries. There's always late-breaking news. I think a big thing is being able to project minutes with, you know, absent players or, or changes to a lineup or after a trade or whatever may happen. So that's a huge thing, being able to project the minutes that are going to occur, not just, you know, see how oh, this guy's played, played a good chunk of minutes. Because we saw it so many times last year. Um, for example, those Lakers guys like uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Josh Hart, uh, those wings, they would, you know, mix and match their minutes who was getting the, the heavy minutes. So it's a big thing of being able to project minutes for the future, not necessarily just look at a box score and say, oh, this guy played 35 minutes last night, he must do it again. It's not always the case. So you got to stay up to date with, with lineups, with trades, with injuries, and being, and being able to project minutes is, is always a huge thing. Um, let's just talk about a couple other things. Obviously, um, minutes, the, yeah, minutes are important. Usage is important. Injury news. How much more like, you know, NBA is all about late breaking news and injury reports and stuff like that, paying attention. And like we head here into the first week of the NBA season and like, you know, projecting minutes is going to be very important heading into the first couple weeks of the season. And I think that you know, you gain edge there, paying attention to the games and watching games. I, I think the, the first couple of weeks is, you know, where you can really gain an edge. But, you know, let's just talk. We get into a month, month and a half into the season and we get all these scratches and we get guys injured and, like, it's going to happen. People are going to roll ankles and stuff. Um, paying attention to how to handle when somebody's out and who benefits is definitely another important part when we come to NBA. Yeah, and it's going to be a little bit difficult, especially at the beginning of the year, to adjust for those. Because, you know, there's going to be guys like LeBron and, and Davis, if he's healthy, they're going to get rest days just because they're going to, the, these teams are looking to kind of save their stars for later in the year for the playoffs. So adjusting to a, a minute projection or lineup projection in the early parts of the year is going to be difficult. But like you said, that's why it makes keeping an eye on those rotations so much more important at the beginning of the year. Because we're going to touch on it later, but the roster changes were just massive this year. So many big names switching teams. 
So it's going to be definitely crucial to keep an eye on those rotations and kind of get a feel of what coaches are doing, uh, who they're playing guys with, like what kind of lineup uh, mixes and matches they're doing, what kind of rotations are running out there. That'll just tell you kind of what's going to happen in the future and it'll help you be able to project those minutes, which is obviously huge. Uh, we're probably missing stuff. You know, obviously you can get into like rebounding rates and, you know, how assists and stuff like that and like, there's a lot of, you know, DV, like DVP and like, I, I'm not a DVP person for what it's worth. Like I, I think the NBA has changed a lot over the last four or five years. And I don't like looking at a lot of like defensive first position because coaches have gotten smarter. Teams have gotten smarter as they rotate so many different times. And like you kind of talked about it, the NBA is rotating so much and it's a revolving door. So I don't, and if I'm looking at like DVP stats, it's like really recent, like very small sample sizes. Yeah. Uh, for me personally with DVP, I'll tend to look at that more when I'm looking at a value play, uh, especially when it's on the perimeter. So these perimeter guys, uh, when, when I see teams struggling to defend a perimeter guy, uh, I guess it really works for any position. But when I see an elite guy like, you know, Westbrook or LeBron or Kawhi, I'm not really going to pay too much attention to a matchup there because those guys are just so elite and there are a lot of really elite superstars in the league these days you know pretty much every team has a guy who's matchup proof um so it more so that comes into play for me when it's a value guy uh and i do agree with you like you said when you're looking at teams matchups and how they you know do versus positions keeping it up to date is very important because injuries rotations that's going to be a huge thing for nba is keeping up to date with the team's landscape uh but yeah i definitely agree with everything you said and i would say the thing for DVP is for value players for me because you can find a guy who can get accelerated or such a big boost just based on that matchup. Yeah, you know, potentially a guy that, you know, shoots a lot of threes um, against a team that's bad at guarding the three-point line. I think that is, you know, that that's more important. Teams that give up a lot of threes. Like, was it Houston last year that, like, I think it was Houston last year that they just got – absolutely torched by the three um and like you could just play like high high volume three-point shooters against them as potential value plays like jj reddick type plays and stuff like that so um to sum up a lot of what we're talking about one of the easiest stats to use is fantasy points per minute um you know that it's it's as simple as what it sounds. Um, it's going to be what this guy averages in fantasy points per minute. So you can take everything we've talked about and you can kind of look at that and it's going to give you a good idea. It's not the end-all stat, but it's going to tell you a lot and you can kind of compare that fantasy point per minute type stat towards like, you know, how many minutes this guy's playing, like what's the pace going to be in this game. Um, pace is very important and – you know, paces usually I think the average in the NBA was like 98 something last season. So like getting two teams over average of pace and, you know, it's, it's simple math too. You just, to do pace, you just add up everybody's pace and, you know, divide it by 30. It's, it's very simple to do in Excel. So pace fantasy points per minute, you know, the cheating way to do it is usually look at high Vegas totals. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Pace is huge. Pace is honestly probably the first thing I look at. Uh, it just gives you a quick glimpse of where you can find, you know, not only the high volume guys, because pace just determines how many times a team's going to possess the ball and how quickly they, they play. So uh, that's going to determine a lot of fantasy output. But that also kind of shows you where people are going to take their first glance at as well. So it kind of shows you if you see a, a game with a high total and then in, in, 
and two, they have a high pace. A lot of guys are going to have their eyes on that, so you'll kind of find some chalk there. Uh, but back to points for minute, fantasy points per minute for me, that's a huge one for me, especially when you are looking at guys, for example, uh, Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles. Those are two guys that had extremely high fantasy point per minutes, but they were low minutes guys. So you can find value guys who, you know, probably aren't going to see 30, 35 minutes a game, but they could, you know, go out there 20 to 24 minutes. And if they're, you know, a point and a half fantasy point per minute guy, that's a huge value to have right there. Uh, and that's kind of what Bagley was, especially last year. He was a guy I was playing a ton last year when the sites just weren't pricing him up enough. So I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, you can find guys who will go low-owned because they're not necessarily getting a ton of minutes, but when they're a high fantasy point per minute or a high usage guy while they're on the floor, that kind of offsets those low-minute totals. Yeah, and like, you know, finding value in the second unit is always good. Guys that have the really high usage unit or really high usages um, with the second u- unit, like Jabari Parker is like one of those types of guys where when he's on the floor, when the starters are on, aren't on the floor, he's just – He's have the balls in his hand a ton, and his usage goes up so much more. So, paying attention to that, um, using you know NBA stats and stuff um, to kind of look up that kind of stuff. Court IQ is very important when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, like I love finding my value plays in the second unit, and they're always lower owned because people hate getting that zero for the first eight nine minutes of the game, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Like. We find some second-unit guys that play the entire second and fourth quarters and come in even and come in earlier in the in the first and you know first and third quarters. So like we're getting guys that are on the court for six seven minutes without starters, and they they're getting all the usage, and then they're staying on the court. So you just have to kind of find those guys. And like you know, you mentioned Bagley, you know, high high fantasy point per minute guy. It was because he's getting a ton of usage when some of those starters went out there. And, like, this first, you know, month of the season, it's that's where your edge is, is finding those guys. Like, who are going to be second unit leaders and high usage guys in the second unit? And those are where you're going to find your GPP-type winning, you know, value plays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think one stat that kind of goes overlooked is is the offensive and defensive ratings. I guess for – Fantasy purposes, defensive rating only kind of comes into play when you're trying to figure out who the guy you want on roster is going to be, you know, across from on the court. Um, but I think that just really shows how efficient a player is on the court. And the offensive rating, you can find that on, I think, uh, NBA.com with their advanced stats section. And then you can find a net rating just to kind of see how efficient of a player they are. You can find a stat like like true shooting. That shows – that accounts for pretty much everything you could assume, really. Um, the, sh- the type of shot a player's playing or taking and then, like, what kind of uh, – matchup they have so true sh- true shooting percentage is something I use a ton uh, but overall I think the main ones are the ones we touched on so far and and I definitely agree with you finding a guy in that second unit is huge because like you said they're instantly going to go overlooked just because of that and you can find guys who get massive usage rates uh, one guy that stuck out to me last last year was Lou Williams he was getting insane usage and he was getting up in the 30 minutes for most games and just scoring a ton off the bench and he was consistently under owned just because he was coming off the bench um so one last thing i guess before we kind of move on and we'll talk some sites and scoring and stuff i i think one of the most um so i use vegas in nba more than i use it for any other sport and i i just 
I don't really love Vegas for baseball. I, I, I tend to agree a lot with Vegas for baseball. Um, you know, good pitchers against bad teams usually are going to be high favorites. And like that, there's no value. There's not a ton of value in that typically for me in, in baseball because I'm agreeing a lot with the lines. And football, I don't mind looking at Vegas. But like Denver was favored against Kansas City tonight and sharp money was on Denver. So like it, it, the stuff like that like throws me off in football all the time. But NBA – Looking at NBA totals, it tells us a lot about potential games, and I feel like NBA is where I'm using Vegas the most out of any other sport. Yeah, Vegas is a huge indicator of just how fast-paced and how high-scoring a game is going to be. And I think I really like to find the value plays in, in these you know, high-total games. Uh, I agree with kind of what you said about how you can leverage those ideas that Vegas has more compared to in baseball or in the NFL. So I'm, I'm – you know, on that track is with, with you as well. So I think the main thing that I like to pull from Vegas is pace. That's just a huge thing that I use uh, in projections or in, you know, just assuming what kind of uh, uptick in, in fantasy point per minute and fantasy production a player is going to have. Pace, I just can't really stress that enough. Pace is huge. Uh, so I, I, I agree with you on the how important Vegas is. Yeah. Um, I don't really – is there – we probably missed things. Like, you, you can get into adjusted usage rate over turnovers and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of things you can get into for NBA. But, honestly, the most key thing for NBA is being on your computer an hour before lock and just kind of adjusting to news. Um, doing your research on anybody that's even banged up. Questionable players – What's going to happen if this guy's off the court? Do all that research during the day. Do that research the night before. Like, you can do that research, but adjusting to and, and building your lineups and roster construction um, as the news comes out, if you have that research done already, you can adjust on the, on the fly a lot faster. Yeah, one of the first things I do when researching a slate, I, I sit down and I make a little note of the guys that are questionable, even if they're doubtful questionable, doubtful, out, whatever. So that way I can quickly, you know, adjust or assess the kind of minutes projection I'll give to a guy, what kind of usage projection the guy should have. Uh, I mean, you can adjust, you know, fantasy point per minute projections based on injuries and guys that are out of the lineups or, you know, maybe a guy would get an uptick in usage because the guy's out. So in turn, you should kind of give him more fantasy point per minute as well. So I think you got to do all kinds of things and you have to be able to adjust to those new, those news breaking. So I feel like it is one of the more crucial things in NBA and to be prepared for it is, is huge. Yeah. We're supposed to get like starting lineups an hour before lock this year. Um, We'll see how that plays out. And like that, that's one of the most important things of baseball. You get them three or four hours before lock and you can make adjustments a lot easier, but with foot, with basketball, you're making adjustments so much more on the fly. Um, You know, it's a little tougher. So I think we covered a lot um, as far as stats that we like, general NBA strategy. Um, again, this first week of the season, two weeks of the season, there when we when we get into breaking down like off-season moves, we could spend three hours doing it because there's been so many moves. I can't remember going into an NBA season with my like you you have access to it you you can see my nba offseason move sheet is 17 pages this week or this season like i don't remember i can kind of look really quick i think it was like 8 or 9 last year so like there's just been so many offseason moves this season um heading into this season that you just you're going to have to watch and pay attention a lot in the first week um bankroll management is going to be important i know you're going to see 
these massive tournaments um, for the first couple days of the NBA season. Like I, DraftKings has a, a million dollar tournament on a two game slate. Like, sure, like fine, but nobody nobody knows what we're going to be projecting. Like everybody's projecting the same thing. Like you take coaches talk and all that away and everything like that. Like we're all we're all kind of guessing. Um, and I, I think bankroll management, game selection, all that stuff is always important. And, you know, I, I go on these rants from time to time about game selection. But again, like if you were, if you're a premium member and you were in discord um, after the showdown slate was over, like I went on to these, I went on there and I was talking to people about game selection and people are throwing one or two teams in the $10 tournament. And unless you're doing that to, just have a sweat at a big payout. Like that's not the best way to build a bankroll. So bankroll management game selection is very important. Um, even on the, this first, you know, couple weeks of the NBA season, like they're juicy. They're, they're big old stakes in front of you and you want them, but you got to pay attention and be careful with your bankroll. Yeah. Especially early in the season when, you know, things are pretty up in the air, you know, you mentioned it, you got 17 pages worth of uh, different moves going on. And I think what five of, of the all NBA players switch teams too. So it's not just, you know, you know, lower mid-tier guys, it's the elite players. They're switching teams and, and everything's changing. Like entire landscapes of teams are changing. So it's definitely something to stay on your toes with. And I guess it is a good point to not get too carried away. You know, you got to kind of see what's going to happen first, especially this first, you know, week or two. What actually makes a better toothbrush? Industrial strength power? Claims of trendy ingredients? Multiple modes? If you ask your dentist, they'll tell you it's less about the brush and more about how you use it. That's why Quip has was created by dentists and product designers to focus on what actually matters for your oral health, healthier habits. Quip has a sensitive vibration with a built-in timer guide, gentle brushing for recommended two minutes with 30 seconds. Every 30 seconds, it's going to tell you your 30 seconds is up and to go to the other side of your mouth. Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months for clean bristles right on schedule. The sleek and intuitive design is simple to use and comes with a travel cap that doubles as a mirror mount. Somebody that travels as much as I do, I love being able to use my Quip at home and travel with it on the road. It is, I'm telling you guys, this sensitive vibration, built-in timer, it really helps you slow down and think about when you're brushing. Quip starts at just $25, and you'll get your first refill at getquip.com slash fantasy. This is just a simple way to show Support our show and start brushing better. But you have to get go to getquip.com slash fantasy to get your first refill free. Go right now to getquip.com slash fantasy. Um, all right, so we move on here. Scoring, um, late swap, non-late swap. Knowing which site you're playing on and roster construction on those sites um, is certainly important. We'll start here with our sponsor site, Fantasy Draft. Um, Fantasy draft, there there hasn't been an announcement for, but for right now, as far as we know, we're heading into the season with no late swap. And the the most unique thing, a lot of the scoring on fantasy draft is very comparable to DraftKings. But the unique thing about fantasy draft, you play three guards, three forwards slash centers. So you could play three centers if you want, and you get two utility spots. So when you're playing on fantasy draft, you can really load up on you know big guys um and take advantage of this you know roster construction 
Yeah, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds here because you don't necessarily get guys with, you know, dual position eligibility, but you can, you know, kind of figure out which where you want to play a guy. You can, you know, you can find a guy who is in the forward slash center spot, which it's easier to kind of organize. That's kind of what I like kind of selfishly, I guess. So you'll see a guy who's a power forward. You know, Zion will be a power forward and center on DraftKings, but on fantasy draft, he's just either a forward or a center, whatever one it may be, but you can plug him into both spots. So I really like that, how you're not really – kind of racking your brain with what players are eligible where. So I like that. And uh, obviously scoring is is nice. You know, you get pretty much everything you want. Um, the bonuses are really cool. And I, like you said, you can you can pretty much do whatever you want here. You can play those high-priced guys, get them in whatever position that you really want. And uh, I like that there's just one position eligibility. Yeah, and, you know, there'll be nights that there's like four or five centers that you want to play, and you can play them all on Fantasy Draft. There'll be nights where – we're like, man, we got to play a shooting guard tonight, and you don't have to on fantasy drafts. So, you know, I think taking advantage of the rake-free, the big tournaments that they're going to have, and all this stuff, always um, no late swap. There's plenty of different ways to get your edge over there on fantasy drafts. So, again, the scoring on DraftKings really close to fantasy drafts. So let's switch on over to DraftKings here. And... um. You know, as far as I know, I really haven't seen any updates on DraftKings changing anything. Um, so going into the season, it, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of what we have had. Um, you know, they added the utility a couple years ago. And, you know, pretty much the scoring, point, point and a half for an assist, 1.25 for a rebound, two points for a steal, two points for a block. They give double-double bonuses and triple-double bonuses. Um, so, like, Russell Westbrook has been the the, the – triple double guy for how long now so it'd be interesting to see if he hits that bonus but you know scoring and roster construction on DraftKings is about I would say about as normal as you're going to get and it, you know that's coming because we've been playing so long on this site yeah everything's pretty standard and then if you prefer late swap uh, this is a good way to go uh, the the real thing with late swap here is you got a lot of guys on the west coast with with those two LA teams being pretty stacked this year. So you're going to have to deal with – and then you, in turn, you got a lot of guys who have that load management uh, kind of weight hanging over their heads, like Kawhi, AD, LeBron James. All guys are, could be rested on any given day. So uh, when you're looking for late swap, DraftKings might be a good place to go. Yeah, like really, honestly, we'll, we're going to talk about FanDuel next. And, like, there'll be nights that you probably, you know, maybe you're going to dinner uh, after lock or something. You don't have that – you know, ability to late swap. So you're looking more on like a fantasy draft or a fan duel. There'll be nights where you're like, all right, the wife is working. The kids are sleeping. I have all the time in the world to adjust to everything. And maybe other people don't, and they're still playing. I'm going to play on DraftKings or Yahoo tonight. So, you know, we have options. And as DFS players, that's, that's fantastic that you have options. So um, the biggest thing for me on DraftKings compared to like a fan duel is like the eligibility, like, you're playing one of the point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, but then you're getting like the freedom of playing just a guard, a forward, and a utility spot where, you know, we go over here to Fandle and you're playing two of each and one center. Um, you know, I really would love to see a utility spot on Fandle. I've been saying it for so long. I feel like the positions are the positions that we have to deal with and everybody has to deal with and people complain about it, but 
I feel like the positions are wrong so much. A utility spot um, would be interesting. But, you know, FanDuel, I know you play a lot on FanDuel. They've changed a lot. Like, this is not a site that we're going into the season where it's the same. Uh, last year, we had the lowest player dropped. Um, you know, this is one of the Twitter questions that we had, too, so we can kind of just touch on it now. Um, how, do, how are we going into this season approaching FanDuel, um, you know, with no low score drop now? Yeah, I think the main thing is you kind of have to put emphasis on getting those, getting the bang for your buck at pretty much every position. Now, you don't really have that luxury of completely punting one or two, sometimes even three positions in hopes that – I mean, on, on NBA nights, you're going to find guys who are the easy, the easy value plays. And, you know, last year, I think you had a really nice luxury of being able to fade those guys. So, like, for example, last year when we would see Kyrie sit and we would see Terry Rozier get up 75% owned, you know, you could fade him there. Like he was, you know, 4,500. You could fade him because if he was going to be a drop or maybe not, maybe that's not the best example because you're not really playing him in hopes of getting a drop. But if you found a guy who's going to be super popular and you're not necessarily confident he's going to be your score, it's an easy fade there because you don't want to drop the same score that everyone else is going to do. So now this year, I think you kind of get turned into a direction where you have to consider playing those chalky value plays more. And also you have to consider value up and down your lineup now you can't just worry about uh you know throwing in two studs and then just making everything else fit you gotta consider oh is this guy who's maybe seven five is he you know a good value too so it's not all just about pure raw points now i think it's more about value at every single position and every kind of uh pricing range yeah i think you summed it up really nice um i i think when Unless pricing is just really screwed up or we have these like insane value plays, I think we're going to see more balanced type of lineups win tournaments on FanDuel compared to DraftKings and other sites this year just because of the roster construction over there being different than, you know, every other site. I think that we see I think that we see balanced teams. So if you're a person that plays cash games, Kyle, I think there's going to be nights that we see cash game lineups take down tournaments because of not having that opportunity of punting three guys, hoping two of the three hit, and playing all the stars on the slate. So I think it changes a lot. I think that – I think it takes people – if you played on FanDuel last year, I think it takes people a while to adjust. And, like, you know, you can gain – a nice edge by finding that right balance in roster construction at the beginning of this year. And I know you play a ton over on FanDuel, and I know you probably have already thought about that. Yeah, definitely. I think – so last year, I don't think people necessarily caught on to what the drop score did until – some some people didn't even really catch on ever. But people didn't really catch on to where you could use it uh, as a correlation player or in different ways. It wasn't necessarily just saying, oh, if this guy gets zero, he gets zero. And I don't necessarily think people are going to quite adjust quick enough uh, in DFS and NBA here. I think people are going to be still trying to fit lineups the way they did last year where they could do the stars and stud lineups and, and yeah, or stars and scrubs. And yeah, sometimes that's going to work just naturally because there's going to be good value plays here and there. But on, on nights where there's not a whole lot of obvious value, you have to go out of your way to either find those great value plays or find a really strong balanced lineup to just offset the, the ones that just are missing those key those key pieces where, you know, you're getting 8 to 10 to 15 points, and that's just not enough in, in tournaments. So you got to kind of fill your lineup with a balanced 
a balanced team that's going to produce up and down. So we make our way over here to Yahoo um, to kind of round out the top, the, the big four sites right now. And when we look at Yahoo here, it's kind of a mix between FanDuel and DraftKings. Like I, this would be the first season that I played on Yahoo. I'll pr- be playing pretty light until I kind of get where I want to be roster construction wise over here. But you know, it'd be the first season because Florida hasn't been able to play. So you're getting a point guard, shooting guard, small forward center, but you're also getting guard forward utility kind of like DraftKings. But when I'm looking at the scoring, it's really similar to FanDuel. So you're kind of getting a mix of the sites here on Yahoo and, you know, being somebody that's never played on Yahoo before, I, I kind of like this idea. So I'm hoping their pricing is strong. Yeah. You know, around the Christmas time, I started to play around on Yahoo a good amount and I liked it a lot. I like the, the, uh, the flexibility they give you at those positions, but it's also not going crazy with the dual eligibility thing. Cause sometimes that's just a, a headache to figure out who's eligible where. And sometimes you'll see like this year, I saw LeBron is eligible at power forward, small for, or power forward and point guard which is just kind of crazy. We kind of saw that with Ben Simmons a little bit last year. Luca had the crazy dual eligibilities. So that when those get kind of crazy, I kind of prefer the sites where it's just people are stuck to one position. And then Yahoo gives you the flexibility to play a utility guy, play a forward and play a guard. So I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, to kind of sum up Yahoo, it's FanDuel type scoring with DraftKings type roster construction and there's late swipe or so you know in FanDuel position eligibility where they're not five positions you know it's not ever that many I just you know yeah. you can you know most of the time it's two and you know so um we had a bunch of questions on Twitter let's go over some Twitter questions here and then we'll we'll just kind of briefly go through teams and talk about it here for a few minutes um Twitter question one here when you're playing cash games versus GPPs can you stack and game stack in cash? Um, I love game stacking in tournaments. But, I, you know, if you game stack in cash and that game just kind of busts or you miss something or somebody gets in foul trouble, like, you can set yourself way behind in cash games with game stacks. Yeah, I, I think I'm a person who doesn't really ever game stack in cash. I'm really just trying to find that best value at each position. Um, for, for GPPs, you can always game stack. You can always get really creative. Uh, for me personally, I don't ever really go too, too wild. On the smaller slates, I'll find myself game stacking a good amount. But on, on normal main slates, you know, eight games, seven games or more, I don't really get too crazy with the game stacks. I'll maybe do two, maybe three guys from the same team. And when I do that, I really want, want to make sure that they have really good correlation. So, you know, a point guard who gets a lot of assists to a center or to his, to his uh, power forward a lot then maybe bring it back with somebody because you kind of want that game to stay close. So if you're going to game stack, always make sure that you have obviously guys from multiple teams and then make sure you're finding correlations within those, those game stacks. So finding a guy who could assist or finding a guy who can, you know, rebound a guy's missed shot and, and get a putback or something like that. And I'm not saying never, never game stack. I think it was last year, the year before um, the Orlando magic had eight guys and like, you know, you play – I think it was like we ended up playing like four of those guys in cash games just because they were all going to play as many minutes as they could handle. So, like, situations like that, yes, you can stack a team. But most of the time, um, you're, you're probably not going to game stack in cash. But game stacking, like Kyle was explaining in tournaments, there's a lot of value to it. And we have another, you know, kind of lineup construction game stack correlation type 
question. And we can kind of just go into that question. Um, you know, when you're looking at construction for game stacks, you know, you talked about it. Be correlated. Like, don't just – this game has a two, 200 um, – 240 in, in total. I'm just going to throw five guys at it. That doesn't work. Like, it, sure, it might work one time out of the year. But correlation, just like a quarterback-wide receiver correlation, finding that correlation in NBA, and it could be different correlations, but, you know, trying to find that correlation where you're going to get maximum production from your stack is important. Yeah, I think especially – I guess when, when you kind of are considering the elite guys, so for example, last year with the Thunder, you could really play Westbrook and George together any given night just because of those two are pretty much the only two, you know, controlling anything on that team. But when you are looking at guys who are, you know, mid-tier, even value tier, so an example that pops in my head was last year with the Knicks with, you know, Alonzo Trier, Kadeem Allen, and, uh, and Moutier, when those guys were all kind of playing together, it's really hard to game stack those guys or stack those guys up because they – Eat, at, eat away at each other's production. You know, um, Allen and, and Trier aren't, probably aren't going to play a whole lot of minutes uh, together. Uh, same with Moody and Allen. So you kind of got to pick one of those guys or maybe two. I probably wouldn't even recommend two. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're correlating guys who aren't eating at each other's production and, and in turn finding guys that positively correlate. Yeah, and like game stacks are not always going to work, but we saw game stacks start to hit more and more last year than any other year. And, you know, I think that it's going to be a trend that we're going to see more and more this year. And, you know, uh, slate IQ and, you know, using stuff like that. And, you know, what is, am I using a three, one stack? Am I using a two, two stack? Am I using a three, two stack? And like, I think slate size and, and stuff like that matters too. Like on a, a five game slate, I think a, a, a game that scores 20 points higher than any other game on the slate is going to be, you know, definitely much more profitable than a 12 game slate where five or six guys busted the slate um, production wise. So I think knowing, knowing which types of big slates and stuff are important as well. Yeah. I think the smaller the slate, the more uh, viable game stacks really are because you know, it's, it kind of is kind of understated, I would say, but it, no one really looks at it too much, but it happened a few times last year where it could be a three game slate and you want to play it. You just stack up one game and, you know, that game could be, you know, maybe even the second highest total. But if it's a close spread or or projected to be a close game and, you know, you get a competitive one while the highest projected game is kind of a blowout, maybe it sneaks into overtime and that pretty much just blows up the slate. Really, I mean, last year we saw one game, I think it was it was Phoenix and somebody else, but they went into like three overtimes and you pretty much needed those guys to uh, to win any money. So, you know, I think in smaller smaller slates, game stacking is more viable. Um, let's see on big slates, like eight to 12 games, better to stick to mainly a few games or try to have exposure more and more combinations. If you're doing 20 entry max. So I've talked about this a lot in the past, the 20 entry max stuff. I personally like to build around a core uh, of plays and just kind of mix and match. Um, I do a lot of 20 entry max. Like I play a lot of single entry stuff for NBA and then I'll roll out like a 20 entry max build just to kind of, have a little bit more fun. Uh, I, I play them more for fun than anything else. They usually have really high top heavy payouts. So I think that first of all, if you're trying to build a bankroll, three entry max single entry stuff, probably better way to do it than the 20 entry max stuff. But 
I like to build around the core when it comes to those big slates and just hope that my core hits. Yeah, definitely. I think if you're trying to build that bankroll and, and even if you want to play GPPs with, you know, maybe a little bit more, uh, I guess, you know, treasure at the top of, of, of a payout, you can stick to smaller tournaments. You can find a, a tournament with less than a hundred people, less than 150 people in it. And you can build a bankroll that way. I would agree that, you know, three mans or, or, you know, 50 fifties are a better way to do it. But if you wanted to stick to GPPs, you can find contests that are good contests to get in and good ways to get your money in. Um, hopefully that answers that guy's question. Um, I don't like to spread out 20 entry max. Like, I guess you can technically, if you really want to try to cover everything you want, but you're, you're likely going to cash one or two teams at a 20, um, on nights, um, on most nights when you're doing that, where if you're building around your core and your core hits, you're probably not only having a good chance to have a high end payout, you're, you're probably cashing eight to 15 teams if your core is hitting. So, um, and I'm not saying I play guys a hundred percent. I usually, I have a rule where I usually don't play anybody over 70% in any sport just because I feel like that's a good balance and I can get a lot of leverage on the field with that. So, uh, we talked about the, you know, drop score on FanDuel. People want us to talk fantasy draft strategy. It, you know, they're new to that site. I think the best fantasy draft advice that I can give is roster construction is, is way different than any other site because you don't have to play a shooting guard. You can play, you know, all the usage point guards, all the blocking, easy rebound centers. Like, I typically, to be honest, usually end up with, you know, two to five centers on my team almost every night on fantasy draft. I think that's a good way to look at it, especially when you got to figure those guys are obviously more likely to get a double-double, even if it's a, a value guy. Like we saw a guy like Alex Len get a bunch of double-doubles last year, and he would play you know, sometimes less than 20 minutes to put up a double-double. So when you get that bonus over there, you can find, like you said, two to three, maybe even more guys at the center position who are going to hit that bonus. And getting those bonus, they're, they're huge. They add to the value of a player, and uh, you can really boost your lineup that way. Um, we talked about lineup construction for stacks. Um, we talked about analyzing pace compared to Vegas totals. Uh, usually they, they translate pretty well, but just do the, do the, do the research, go in and, and like pace. Honestly, you talked about like what you do on when you're firstly doing the slates. So I do the morning grind the night before for NBA and how I start my research for the morning grind is I go through the injury reports and look at everybody that's questionable or out. And then I do the simple math of pace. Um, and like, I like to see where games are projected pace at. And it's, it's pretty simple. If you want, you know, more info on that, you know, there's a ton of different ways you can do it, but you know, quickly plugging into Excel, getting the league average and just kind of comparing the two teams where they are to league average is the, is one of the easiest ways. Um, I had notorious on years ago and like he broke it down and it was a lot easier how he broke it down. But uh, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not rocket science. So, um, all right. So let's, let's spend like 15 ish minutes here. Just kind of quickly going through some teams. Um, you know, we'll, we'll breeze through some of these teams, but I have it in alphabetical order. I'm just that type of way. It's easier to keep track of it that way. So kind of starting here with the Atlanta Hawks, um, a team that made a ton of moves this offseason. Like, you know, they, they drafted 
Hunter and Reddish. Um, they're young. I love this team. I think this team's going to be really good. Um, no Tarion Prince. Bazemore's gone. De- Deadman's gone. Spellman's gone. Miles Plumley's gone. This team said we're going young. Um, this is going to be one of those teams that if I had to project pace, I think they're going to be a team that plays really fast this year. Yeah, and they were a team that played fast last year, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of up that up that pace. I love to see when teams kind of clear out those guys who are old and kind of holding them back, and especially when they're guys with you know bigger contracts. Um, I do think they lost a guy like Prince and like Bazemore who were who are pretty important to their team, but they you know replace them with guys who should be able to step in in those roles. It's gonna be interesting to see what kind of uh, role that these young guys are in, like Hunter and Reddish. And even a guy like Damian Jones, who was touted as one of the better, you know, young potential prospects in the league a couple of years ago. So I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of roles these guys get. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see DeAndre Hunter start early in the year, if not opening opening night. Uh, Kevin Herter is a guy who was on the team last year. He's a, a young guy that I really like a lot, especially on sites where you get those, you know, extra bonus points for, for three-point shooting. So it's going to be exciting to see what kind of roles that these young players carve out in this, in this roster. Yeah, and a guy like Jabari Parker, who could really have like a monster role on a second unit type play here. Um, Atlanta's one of those teams that we talked a lot about, like paying attention. Atlanta's a team you really need to pay attention the first week, week and a half of the season. Really pay attention to their first three or four games. Use game flow here at Rotor Grinders and go back and look at rotations as much as you possibly can with Atlanta. Um, next up, we got Boston. Obviously, the big news of the offseason for Boston was Kyrie, Rogier. Horford, Marcus Morris, gone. Kimba added, Cantor added. I like this. Um, I think that, you know, we're going to see a lot more production from some of these guys um, just because there's not as many mouths to feed in this in this lineup. I think Tatum's a guy that you could really see take the next step fantasy-wise this year. Yeah, definitely. I think Tatum and Hayward are guys that can, you know, kind of handle extra extra work here. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Walker steps in. You've got to figure that he's going to be, you know, the primary scorer here, but it'll also be interesting to see how the Celtics view Jason Tatum. Do they view him as a guy who's going to be their number one scorer? Because if so, this is kind of the perfect time to establish him in that role, you know, with Kyrie, you know, out the door and, and Horford also gone and now Kemba being new to the team. It's the perfect time for Jason Tatum to step into that role. But, you know, they did just pay Kemba a bunch of money. Now he's the, 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 the kind of the face of their team right now when you look at you know, all-star appearances and stuff like that, the accolades. Uh, so it's interesting to see kind of those two fight it out for the number one role. I don't think necessarily it'll hurt either one of them. I think they're both going to have pretty good years because, of, like you said, there are a lot of guys that left that, you know, left a lot of usage and volume behind. So a lot of vacant uh, points and production left behind. Brooklyn Nets, um, man, oh, man, you want to talk about a team that's just going to be way different than they were last year. D'Angelo Russell, Damari Carroll, Ed Davis, Alan Crabb, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Shabazz Napier, Graham, all gone. Bye. Uh, You know, KD, Kyrie, DeAndre, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, Terrion Prince, Nawaba, they drafted um, Cla- Claxton, Claxton, right? Um, Nicholas Claxton. Uh, so, completely different lineup. You know, we could see a completely different lineup here just in general. Um, this is one of those teams where you're going to the season, you're going, where outside of Kyrie is the production going to be in this lineup? Yeah, it's not one of those ones where you just look at a, a new starting lineup, kind of like Boston. We're looking at 
essentially an entirely new roster, which is crazy, but that's kind of what the, uh, the new age NBA is. It's just teams cycling through players and really forming an entirely new roster. Um, and, and like you said, I do think it's going to be interesting to see who steps up. I think uh, Karis Levert is a guy who steps up pretty, yep. pretty big. Uh, I think he's going to be very important, especially with Durant out, I would assume, the entire year. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that leads this second second unit, him and Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie was amazing last year until he kind of cooled off when we, saw, we started seeing D'Angelo Russell really handle the entire team on his back. Uh, so I think Levert and Dinwiddie probably take the two uh, biggest steps, and I think Prince is going to be a good role player here this year. Yep, um, really interesting to see. This is one of those teams where we were talking about like second-team usage. Like This is a team that could pr- produce a lot of second-team usage. Um like for one or two guys. So um, just kind of remember that Charlotte Hornets, they, they really overpaid for Terry Rozier, but he's there. Uh, PJ Washington, obviously um, a top 15 pick. He's there. Kemba's gone. Jeremy Lamb is gone. I think that's, you know, one that we got to kind of pay attention to. Everything we're reading in the off season is free Malik Monk. Um, Going into the season, I think Charlotte's probably a bottom 10 team in the NBA, but, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a terrible fantasy team. Yeah, exactly. I think you nailed it on the head with that last sentence. We saw teams like the Hawks, the Cavs at times, and even like the Suns be really bad, but, you know, pretty good for fantasy production. And you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about the Hawks. You know, you see a younger team, you kind of got to assume they're going to push the pace a little bit. You know, outside of the the, the big men here, you see a lot of young guys. I know Nicholas Batum's kind of anchoring this team down in terms of age, but, you know, Monk, Bacon, Rozier, Bridges, see a lot of young guys around here so I wouldn't be surprised to see this team try to, to press the pace here a little bit um, especially without Kemba Walker. Rozier should step in they should probably try to insert him into that Kemba, Kemba role which should lead to good things for uh, fantasy production but yeah I think these wings have a lot of upside here. Nicholas Batum is going to be a guy who is pretty underpriced as far as what I saw early in preseason and then you know in these first couple of slates so uh, Nicholas Batum might be a guy who we're targeting the first couple of the first couple of games yeah Terry Rozier could end up being like a 25-5 guy by the end of the year like you know he and play 35 minutes a night so um the Chicago Bulls Bulls didn't really lose much like this is going to be one of the closest um lineups to what they had the year prior um obviously they drafted Kobe White they got Thad Young who they signed uh but really like I'm not expecting a lot of difference um, when it comes to Chicago. Um, I think that they're going to be one of those teams that outside of Levine, Marketin, Porter, that it's going to be kind of tough to project where the rest of the minutes are going to be. And we're probably going to see a lot of these guys playing like 25 minutes a night. Yeah. I mean, especially with the starting lineup or the projected starting lineup as of now, other than Sadoransky, it's all the same from last year. Uh, with Wendell Carter, who's obviously hurt most of the year. Uh, he actually got banged up today in, in either preseason warm-ups or practice, something like that, and he hurt the same thumb that he was out for the rest of the season with last year. So that's something to monitor. That could be huge for, you know, production for guys like Markin and Thaddeus Young. Um, the one thing that's kind of frustrating for me is that the Bulls were a team that I played a ton last year, and you kind of get guys like Kobe White, Sadoransky, and Thaddeus Young. You add them, kind of muddle the waters for minutes for those positions. But I think all in all, Levine and Markin are going to be the go-to guys, just like they were last year. Even when we saw things get kind of crazy with, you know, different rotations and, and different people being inserted in the lineup, Markin and Levine were the two guys to go to. And I think Markin is going to take a huge step forward this year. 
We all hope so, anyway. Um, Cleveland, they didn't add anybody. Nawaba's gone. Uh, they, they finally um, waived J.R. Smith. Cameron Payne is gone. They had, um, obviously, Darius Garland, which Garland's interesting because they have Sexton. Like, they are both young point guards, so it'll be really interesting to see. But I think there's going to be – nights where we're going to have some really solid production from, you know, Cleveland, depending on does Kevin Love stay healthy? How much are they going to play Tristan Thompson? You know, questions that are going to be answered in the first couple weeks of the season, but this is a team that's not expecting to be great. Um, but there's, there's fantasy production here worth looking at in, in you know, Sexton Love, um, you know, Jetty Osman and Jordan Clarkson, I guess would be another guy like, you know, just depending on like, how much they play Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance, and guys like that. Yeah, I think a big thing to look at uh, for me is see what kind of minutes Darius Garland got or is going to get. Because we saw Colin Sexton get a lot of run last year being a rookie. You know, sometimes we see teams shy away from, you know, getting that, that rookie guard or that rookie any position really a lot of, a lot of time on the court. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, things they do with Garland here. Uh, John Beeline's the head coach here now. He's a big defensive guy and a big three-point shooting guy. So I expect the three-point opportunities to go up, so that'll benefit some guys like the Jetty Osmond. Jordan Clarkson should probably take some more three-point attempts. That'd be interesting, but in turn, they're probably going to try to slow down the pace here, uh, maybe push it with the two guards. But when you've got Kevin Love and, and Tristan Thompson on the court as well, that's probably going to slow you down a little bit. So I think the biggest thing for me to look at is to see how much time they're giving to Darius Garland. I expect it'll probably be a good portion of their minutes, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to get him in at the two-guard and uh, work him in there that way. So that's going to be the exciting thing to look at for me at the early part of the year. Yeah, like it would be – it'd make a lot of sense if we get like Sexton and Garland out there and then like Clarkson off the bench and yeah. like he'd be that second unit guy. But Dallas Mavericks, um, you know, they added a couple pieces here. Boban, Seth Curry, um, you know, Dirk retired. Trey Burke signed with Philly. Um, but honestly, we're coming into Dallas this season – just kind of excited for Luca and Porzingis playing together. We talked about like game stacking with correlation. Like that's a correlation I want. Like uh, Luca with his ability to pass and score and rebound, and Porzingis's ability to score. Like when we get them against high paced teams, bad defensive teams. Like those are the types of correlations that we were kind of talking about. Yeah, man, Porzingis in my opinion is just a superstar and we haven't really been able to see him in that light the past, you know, year or two because of injuries and, and nagging injuries, even before he was out for the entire year. So Porzingis is a guy I'm really excited to see him healthy. I don't know if you saw any pictures of him, but apparently he's put on some muscle and he's, he's like jacked now. So that's even better. Exciting. Yeah. So I think Luca and, and Christoph Porzingis are going to be the two guys that I'm going to be playing a ton of. Um, they played Washington in their first game of the year and we all know how bad defensively they were. Uh, last year and the only thing they really did was you know go out and add uh, Isaiah Thomas so that obviously won't help their, them on the defensive front so I think uh, these Dallas guys will be really interesting in the first game. Denver Nuggets we can kind of quickly go through Denver here they're going to be pretty much the same team Trey Lyles is gone Isaiah Thomas is gone um, they signed Jeremiah Grant from the Thunder so Jeremiah Grant kind of slides into that Trey Lyles 20 to 25 minute role but really like Jamal Murray, Jokic, uh, Harris, Millsap, Barton, you know, Plumlee, like we're getting a lot. Like Denver looks really similar to last year, and we're just we're all just kind of hoping that Jamal Murray is much more consistent this year. Yeah, the the only thing with the Nuggets here for me is just their willingness and their ability to go so deep in their roster. You know, they added 
you know, Jeremy Grant, like you said, they got Michael Porter who should be healthy this year, and I'm sure he'll get some time. They got all those guards, Monte Morris, Beasley, and Craig. Those are just behind their starters. They have uh, Mason Plumley, who got a lot of run last year. Now they got Bull Bull in there as well, who you got to assume if he's able to play, he's going to get some run too. So this is going to be a team to watch out for because they have a lot of really intriguing pieces and a lot of good players uh, for fantasy purposes. But, you know, if we're looking at the, them playing a lot of a lot of guys, it's going to be hard to see, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they spread out their minutes because it could be diff- getting difficult to play these guys every night. Yeah, Bull Bull, like, obviously he's a guy that, like, we really haven't seen much. Um, when he was with Oregon, he didn't play a ton, so – uh, Detroit Pistons added Derrick Rose, Markeith Morris, uh, Tim Frazier, Tony Snell. Um, they lost Ish Smith, Wayne Ellington, Glenn Robinson. Um, obviously, like Detroit is a is a borderline team. Um, they're just they're deep, and like you know, they're a team that's you know outside of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Like and like usually they don't go off in the same game. It's just you're flipping a coin on do I play Blake or do I play Drummond tonight? And the rest of the team is just so deep that I really have a hard time seeing outside of Drummond and Griffin. A lot of these guys even average close to over 30 minutes a game. Yeah. I think the big thing for me, you know, as a, as a Drummond, when it comes to the Drummond aspect, he just gets points in so many different ways, especially on sites where he gets, you know, three for the block and three for the steal. I think he's a, a really good fantasy asset for, for those sites. But like you said, it is hard to play both him and Griffin because they do eat into each other. And this year, I think we're going to see Blake Griffin play a little bit different of a role. We basically saw him running the floor last year. He was playing point guard. He was, you know, being the assister, being the provider. And now you add Derrick Rose, who in the preseason, we've seen him get a lot of work. And the thing about the Pistons last year, they played at one of the slower paces in the NBA. But you add a guy like Derrick Rose, who had one of the highest individual paces in the NBA last year. That's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, but as far as people who I expect to take a big step, Luke Kennard should be a guy who is getting the start from day one. Uh, last year, they kind of started Bruce Snell. I think they just felt, you know, reluctant to get Luke Kennard in there for a ton of minutes. But I think he's going to start from day one, as he probably should. He's a really good scorer, uh, great shot. He's kind of a J.J. Redick type, and I think he's going to be a pretty good fantasy asset as a value play, especially on those sites with three-point bonuses. Um. Golden State Warriors, um, obviously they've been the NBA staple for the last few years now. Um, D'Angelo Russell, he, he's now on this team. Willie Cauley-Stein, Glenn Robinson, um, Spellman, Burks, you know, those are the big ones. Obviously, Russell's the big one here. Um, Kevin Durant's gone. Iggy's gone. DeMarcus Cousins is gone. Livingston is gone. Jordan Bell which was an interesting one to me, is gone. Um, Damian Jones is gone. Quinn Cook is gone. Graham is gone. Um, and, and Napier is gone. You know, obviously they still have Looney. They still have Clay. We're heading into the season right now. Willie Cauley-Stein dealing with a foot. He's likely not going to play. He's not even supposed to be walking on it right now. And Clay probably going to be out a majority of the season. I is the last thing that I read. Steph Curry is going to be expensive, but he is going to be a usage monster to start this season. Yeah, I think if you're playing, uh, you know, season-long NBA anywhere, I think Steph Curry has to be in, in consideration for the number one pick, you know, up there with Giannis and and whoever else you might consider AD maybe. Uh, he's got to be up there just because he's going to get that usage. I think we kind of see him get similar usage to how we saw uh, James Harden last year, which is just insane, but if they're going to stay afloat, 
they got to rely on him. They have to be centered around him. Uh, I'd be interested to see how him and, and Russell, you know, pair either whether they play it together a lot or when they do play together, uh, how it goes. So that'll be interesting. But you can't really deny how good Curry's going to be. He's a guy who you can you can find him being inefficient at times because if he's off one night, which isn't very often, but if he is, he rely, lives and dies in that three, so he can struggle at times. But that price is going to be really hard to get away from because of the usage should be so high. Um, Houston Rockets, <laughs> they added Russell Westbrook. Do we even need to get any other? Um, uh, obviously, they added Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul's gone. Um, that's the big news here. They signed Ben McElmore. They signed Tyson Chandler. But let's just be real here. Like, this is going to be a team where they probably have the best chance of having four-plus guys average over 30 minutes a game. James Harden. Russell Westbrook, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker all play a ton of minutes. Eric Gordon, if they use him off the bench or if they start him, however they approach Eric Gordon, like they're going to be a team that uses their guys in minutes. But it really going to be interesting to see how the production works with Westbrook and Harden playing together. We kind of seen – saw it last year and the years past with Durant and Curry playing together where they've kind of just crushed their fantasy value. But looking forward to kind of paying attention to this one. Yeah, definitely. I think I saw a report uh, a couple days ago where D'Antoni said he wants to have two of Westbrook, Harden, and Gordon on the court at the same time. So right off the bat, you know, you might assume that, yeah, these guys are going to get huge minutes, but you got to assume that's really big for Eric Gordon who – we kind of saw him playing with and without Harden a lot last year, but if you kind of assume that he's going to be on the court the same amount of time as Westbrook and Harden, his minutes are going to be huge this year. Uh, so I would I would expect that to be pretty important for Gordon. It's definitely interesting to see Westbrook and Harden, how they work, because we saw Westbrook and Harden play with stars before, but Paul George and Chris Paul are both really good players off the ball, so that's going to be a lot different with Westbrook and Harden both being guys who kind of live with the, with the ball in their hands. So that's going to be interesting, but there's not really a whole lot of depth here, so – I think these these starters are going to be the main you know providers for us here. Uh, PJ Tucker's pretty much always a good value because he plays so many minutes and he does so many different things. As long as the price doesn't get up there too much, but yeah, I do agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see how those two uh, big dogs work out. All right, I said 15 minutes to break these teams down. We're going to go way over that. Um, Indiana Pacers, we'll kind of speed it up here a little bit. In Indiana Pacers, they added Warren which is like this is a new-look Indiana Pacers team. Warren, um, Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell. Um, they've Collison retired. Tyreek Evans is suspended. Bojan is with um, the Jazz. Thaddeus Young to the Bulls. Wesley Matthews gone. Kyle Quinn gone. This is a new-look Pacers team. It's going to be very interesting to see how these guys play together um, and how long it takes them to play together. But this team's solid. You know, when we're looking at teams in the East, this team's solid. Yeah, I really like this team a lot. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Miles Turner does a whole year without Victor Ladipo, without Collison. He's going to be, you know, kind of the biggest name here. But I think Demonis Sabonis is going to be a huge fantasy asset this year. The thing that was killing him last year was Thaddeus Young was just playing a lot of minutes over him. He's not going to have that cap on him anymore. He should be a 30-minute guy. And then Malcolm Brogdon should finally get that usage that he's kind of been dying for over in Milwaukee, and I think he's going to be the main guy on the perimeter here for the Pacers this year. 
Yeah, and like, you know, obviously you talked about Old Depot, probably not going to be back until at least the beginning of next year. So Brogdon has the opportunity. Jeremy Lamb has opportunity here. Like, there's going to be some opportunity here for the Pacers. Um, the Clippers, obviously, they made some big moves this offseason. Kawhi and Paul George now um, Clippers. And, like, you know, it, it was interesting to see um, how this all played out. But they they lost a little bit, too. You know, Gallinari's gone. Um, SGA is gone. Garrett Temple's gone. Chandler's gone. Um, just a few of the names there. But, like, we head into the season – Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, um, Harrell type um, of lineup here. And, you know, this team's going to be good, but I think this is going to be a, a really solid defensive team. Um, and I think that we see this team play kind of slow. Am I, am I crazy? Yeah, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that's kind of a fair assumption. I think it'll probably fall in the middle just because they do have uh, guys like Beverly who presses the pace and Lou Williams who does the same. And then they're big men. I mean, they're probably going to be playing Kawhi at the four, so that might give them a little bit of a reason to, to run a little more and get that mismatch, especially if you're finding them in a spot where they're playing against those more traditional power forwards. Just give them a chance to outrun the guy. Um, so I do think they are going to be one of the better defensive teams. You've got to figure, you know, you have Patrick Beverly, who's probably one of the best perimeter defenders, and then you add Paul George and Kawhi, who are two of the elite defenders in the league. So it's going to be interesting. But the difference with me here between, you know, this team and the Rockets, for example, is, Paul George and Kawhi can both get points in different ways and they can both, uh, you know, work without the ball in their hands. So I think that they're going to work a little bit better than the Rockets will uh, initially. So I think that'll be something to monitor early in the year. Um, let's see here. Lakers, LA Lakers, the Lakers, um, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Danny Green, Bradley, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, Dwight Howard. Um, they drafted Horton Tucker. They lost Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Tyson Chandler, um, Wagner, Jones, um, Muscala, Bullock, um, the Lakers. Man, it's going to be fun. Anthony Davis is, is even playing next to LeBron James is going to be an absolute fantasy stud when he's on the court and healthy. Like, this, this is a fun team, and it's really going to be interesting to see if, if – Dwight can put all the noise and nonsense away, play 25 minutes a night without DeMarcus Cousins out there and do what he's been saying that he wants to do with this team. Yeah, definitely. I think the the big thing with them not getting Kawhi is it left them without a lot of really good depth. So like we see teams like uh, like the Lakers or the Clippers who have pretty good depth, uh, like the Nuggets who have pretty good depth. This team is kind of just LeBron, Davis, and some role players, but not a whole lot of depth. Definitely not a whole lot of reliable depth. So I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are just going to absolutely uh, feast this year, pretty much all year. But the only thing here is to worry about uh, that that load management thing. But if they're on the court, they're going to be monsters. Memphis Grizzlies, this team stinks. Um, <laughs> like, Memphis is one of those teams you head into the season and you're super excited about um, Jaron Jackson. And it, I, I, I always pronounce this guy's name wrong. Jay Morant, right? <laughs> John Morant. There you go. See, I always <laughs> pronounce his name wrong. Um, like, those are the two guys you're, like, super excited on heading into the season because Memphis, they have a bunch of old dudes. They have Valanchunas. They have Jay Crowder. Um, I think Josh Jackson was an interesting ad for Memphis. Uh, I doubt Iggy plays a lot if he even plays at all. But you're really excited about Triple J. He's, he, he's a guy that can put up fantasy points in a hurry. Yeah, so 
you you said they suck, and I agree. Overall, their record's probably going to show that they suck, but I think it's going to be one of my favorite fantasy teams this year. <laughs> yes, they stink <laughs> in real life, but they're great yep. for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, we saw that kind of last year with the Suns and the Hawks. Those are two teams that I was playing one person at least from that team every single time they're on the slate. I kind of see that happening here. John Morant, I think he's just going to be an absolute stud. I think if I were the Pelicans, it would have been a hard decision. I would think you'd probably go Zion in the end, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see John Morant be the best player out of this draft class at the end of his career. I know that's kind of a hot take, but I think John Morant's going to be that good. I think you mentioned it. Josh Jackson was just an amazing addition. I think he's a really good player that got overlooked uh, on a Suns team with a lot of depth at that position, um, and I think he's going to be really good on this team. I think he should find his way into the starting lineup. So then you're seeing John Morant with Josh Jackson and Jaron Jackson all together. The three J's, I think they're going to be really good. And then you got Jonas Valanciunas. That's four J's. Uh, he's, yeah, like you said, he's, he's up there in age, but he played really well last year. So I think we see that happen again. And I think this team is not going to be nearly the same. Uh, they're going to push the pace. There's no doubt about it in my mind. John Morant, Josh Jackson, they're going to be guys that really push the pace here. So I think this team's going to be great for fantasy. Um, we had the South Beach, Miami added Jimmy Butler. They added Miles Leonard, um, Kyle Alexander. They drafted Tyler Hero, um, Harrow, however you want to say it. Dwayne Wade retired. Hassan Whiteside's gone, finally. Josh Richardson's gone. Ryan Anderson got waived. Like, this is a spot where we're finally going to get to play BAM, it seems like, anyway, heading into the season, we hope. Um you know, realistically, like Bam and Kelly Olynyk are the two big guys here. They can use James um, Johnson at the four, I guess. But heading into the season, like, I hope um, Tyler Harrow is the bench guy because he's that second-type unit production guy that could be really, really solid on a roster like this. Yeah, I, I love Tyler Harrow this year. I would. I really wish we kind of could have saw him without Jimmy Butler. I know this is probably a good landing spot for Jimmy Butler, but um, like you said, he's probably going to get that benefit of playing with the second unit, playing with a, guy, a lot of guys who aren't really high-usage guys. I do think this team is going to be one that is slower in pace. They were slower in pace last year, and they kind of were a, a defensive-oriented team. Um, but, that, you know, that can happen when you have a guy like Hassan Whiteside who is such a good uh, rim protector. But Bam Adebayo is kind of the same. Like you said, it's kind of free BAM season. So be interesting to see how this team shakes out. We hope it's free BAM season. Yeah. Walkie yeah. Bucks. The Bucks added uh, Wesley Matthews and Kyle Corver, right? I'm pretty sure Corver's there. Um, Brogdon gone. Miratic gone. Pau Gasol gone. Tim Frazier gone. Um, honestly, I don't think too much changes here with Milwaukee. I think that Giannis obviously is still a good play. Middleton and Bledsoe on certain nights. But Wesley Matthews is kind of interesting heading into the season because Brogdon did have, like, a really nice role here. And you kind of expect it to be Wesley Matthews. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, Wesley Matthews should step in there and play, you know, 26 to 28 minutes every night at a probably a minimum. Um, a guy that I really like is Chris Middleton this year. Um, wasn't really a big Chris Milton guy coming into, you know, years past. But this year, uh, looking at it, he played a lot of similar minutes to Giannis. And, you know, it, it does take away from it when he's playing a lot of that time with Giannis because uh, Giannis is such a high-usage guy. But Milton's not a bad fantasy point-per-minute guy either. Um, so I do think he's a guy to keep your eye on. But Brooke Lopez has been one of the more under, underrated players for fantasy and for real life pretty much every year he's played. Um, he's one of the highest, you know, efficiency rating guys. So – He's, he's one to keep an eye out on for fantasy, too. 
Minnesota Timberwolves, um, they did add, you know, a lot of like secondary pieces here. I I am kind of interested by a few, but nothing really like that we have to get into too much. They lost Taj Gibson, Tyus Jones, Derek Rose, uh, Dario Sark, you know, but Jarrett Culver, I think is the biggest name that we're going to be going into the season looking at. Yeah, he's a rookie, but he could have like an immediate role here with this team. And, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, Teague, Covington, and like Culver has that opportunity to either be that six man or, you know, does he take Okaji's like potential starting spot? And it'd be interesting to see how Minnesota shapes out. But, you know, you talk about depth on when we were talking about a couple other teams, like this is a team that doesn't have a ton of depth. They have a ton of depth, but it's not like they have a ton of depth, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it's not a whole lot of like stable depth and, and reliable depth in and night in and night out. Uh, I think it is interesting to see what Culver does if he finds his way in that starting lineup. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a Koji spot because a Koji sucks. He's pretty pretty good on the defensive end, but other than that, he's pretty bad. Um, but if Culver is in the second unit and they're using a Koji as a defensive specialist, uh, he should get a, you know a good amount of usage in that second unit. One guy to keep an eye out on. Actually, there's two from this team is Jeff Teague. Uh, no Tyus Jones, no Derrick Rose this year. So he's going to be the primary ball hander, handler, and his minutes are going to be maxed out, you would think. You know, they gave him a bunch of money a couple years ago. They brought him in. Um, so I think they're going to play him a ton. And then Robert Covington with no Tyus, or with no uh, Taj Gibson and with no Dario Sarge, he's going to be playing power forward and playing a ton of minutes. He's a guy that can rack up fantasy points quickly. Uh, speaking of guys that were, can rack up fantasy points quickly, New Orleans Pelicans, um, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, they signed J.J. Redick. They traded for Derek Favors. The Favors trade still doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Josh Hart's here as well. Anthony Davis is gone. Elf Payton is gone. Julius Randle is gone. Um, Stanley Johnson's gone. So a lot of moving pieces here in New Orleans. We talk about teams that are going to be completely different. Uh, they had three top 17 picks. Um, Obviously, the biggest name here is um, Zion. Um, what are we kind of expecting here from the Pelicans outside the fact that they should play really fast and Derek Favors makes zero sense? <laughs> yeah, I think the only real reason that we can kind of justify the Derek Favors move is because we just don't think that they think Jackson Hayes is ready. Uh, so they kind of bring in Favors to add some veteran, you know, addition to that to that deep uh, center position. But overall, yeah, I agree. This has to be one of the teams that are up there for the fastest pace. I think Lonzo Ball is just going to take one of the largest steps we've seen in the in past years. And my hot take of the, of the podcast is that the Pelicans are going to have a better record than the Lakers. Uh, regular oh, yeah. sizzling hot. Yeah, so I think this team is going to be really good. I think Lonzo Ball is going to take a huge step forward. Zion, I think, is going to make a, an amazing impact right at the get-go. Ingram, I think, is a guy who's going to improve as well. Then you add that to a guy like Drew Holiday, who I think is one of the better point guards in the league and extremely, extremely underrated. So I really like this Pelicans team a lot. I like the JJ pick uh, or pickup. Yep. That was that was a good signing. New York Knicks, this is another team that is just so different than what we saw last year. Um, they freed up a ton of money to try to bring in KD and Kyrie, and they ended up with Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, and Elf Payton. So – um obviously rj barrett here you know he's gonna be a guy that probably as a rookie averages close to 30 minutes moody has gone hazonia's gone vonley has gone deandre jordan's gone um honestly looking at this team like i'm probably most excited about julius randall um just potentially getting 30 plus minutes a night on a team where 
Julius Randle, when he gets 30-plus minutes a night, like, he's just a stud. Hopefully Kevin Knox stays healthy. They have a lot of good young talent on this team. It's just can they put it together, and how long does it take them to put it together? May it be this year? May it be two years? You know, we'll see. Yeah, don't sleep on my, uh, my Michigan guy, Ignis Brezdakis. He's, he's a monster. Uh, so hopefully that, they have a lot of young guys that can step up here. Uh, Alfred Payton and Julius Randle, you know, they had that repertoire before uh, in New Orleans. The most confusing thing for me looking at this roster is kind of figuring out how they're going to shake out minutes with Peyton and Dennis Smith. You got to figure they got it. They're going to make getting Dennis Smith a key priority after, you know, sending away Porzingis for him and a pick. So that's going to be the main thing for me because then you got guys behind them like Nilakina and Kadeem Allen who got so many minutes last year. You got to assume those two are going to be pretty much pushed to the side. So that's going to be the main thing for me. Um, I think Julius Randle is the only guy that I really have you know, a ton of interest in looking forward to at the beginning of the year because there's so many question marks around the rest of the team. I don't think there's any question marks around like R.J. Barrett for what it's worth. Like, yeah, he is – he's like their face of the franchise, I guess, like just because of the namesake and all that draft stuff. But, yeah, I think um, Julius Randle, Dennis Smith Jr., Barrett, Kevin Knox is a good basketball player um, yeah. if he can stay healthy. So, the Thunder um, – Talk about teams that are just in full punt mode. Um, Gallinari, Adams, SGA, Paul, Schroeder. Um, when you think about this team, like obviously Steven Adams and Schroeder were there last year, but we're going to see a, a pretty different look here. I don't really know if they keep Chris Paul long, um, if they can find a trade for him. I think that this team is in rebuild mode, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what to even think about. I, honestly, I just don't even know what to really think about this team. Yeah, and it's really tough because the, the lone guy that is returning that was kind of any sort of relevance is Steven Adams, and he's not really a guy that, you know, produces on his own. He was kind of a guy who would produce when Westbrook would feed him or, you know, maybe an offensive rebound here too. But he's not like a, a traditional, like, elite center like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or, you know, like Lamarcus Aldridge or Boogie Cousins where he's going to score on his own and do a lot of whole, whole lot of things on his own. So that's going to be one thing. I, I, I got to assume Chris Paul is going to step in and be a high-usage guy here. Um, so that would be interesting to see. And He might not even be on the roster very long. If they are able to flip Chris Paul again and they get a, another pretty solid return, that would just be an, an elite GM move here, uh, an, an elite rebuild move. So Thunder are definitely going to be in peril. Uh, hopefully Paul or Schroeder are, are high-usage guys that are valuable for fantasy. Yeah, and if they're able to move Paul, I think SGA becomes a guy that you know you could really see – Kind of have a better year. Um, my Orlando Magic, they brought in Aminu. Um, they really didn't lose much. Like, this is really – honestly, the Magic are really close to what they were last year. Um, I think that we see potentially, like, Jonathan Isaac could could potentially take the next step here. But I think when you're looking at the Orlando Magic, you're, you're probably looking at Vooch. You're probably looking at Gordon. And I think Isaac is a sneaky play, but – Fultz, I guess, is the biggest question mark. You know, I obviously I live here um, right outside of Orlando, and we're hearing a lot of good things when it comes to Fultz. And, like, he's going to be interesting to see just kind of what his pricing is heading into the first few games. Like, I, I think they play him. Um, DJ Augustine's the other point guard. Like, who are you going to play? Like, so, yeah. I don't know. I'm biased. I'm a Magic fan. Yeah, I mean, I think just – I liked Marco Fultz, you know, coming out of college into the league, and then to see him kind of go through that, uh, the yips, I guess you would call, is was definitely odd. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, get it back together and, and become a guy who you can play. 
uh, in the second unit as a guy who's a high usage guy. I think last year the main guy in that second second unit was Terrence Ross. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see Markel Fultz step in and you know take some of that away from Ross. Uh, Vucevic is just always one of the better fantasy plays. He's always overlooked at center position because there's usually you know a guy like Cat or you know other big names around him, and he always goes overlooked and he's always a beast. So uh, keep your eye out on Vuce and hopefully he can you know repeat last year. We had to Philly, um, you know, pretty close. You know, Butler's gone, Reddick's gone. I think those are the two big names. McConnell kind of filled in some roles there. But Josh Richardson is really interesting here, you know, heading to this gap of Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick kind of being gone. Like, Richardson could move into like a 30 to 33-minute type of role here. Um It'd be really interesting to see. Like, are we going to see Al Horford play like the four with Embiid play the five? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see here what this lineup looks like. If Tobias is getting to play the three and he gets the flexibility of playing the three, like he could destroy some of the threes in the NBA um, just because of his size and stuff. So Philly, I think, is going to be a really good team. Um, but honestly, they're a team that you're probably going to be able to project a lot of the minutes pretty easily. Yeah, I, I do think that the minutes will be, you know, pretty top-heavy. But the big thing for me is going to be – it's going to be hard for me to determine the usage and where to put that early <laughs> in the year. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, especially – I'm really concerned about what they're going to do with Embiid. I assume he's going to be, you know, the same kind of guy. But they gave him a lot of days off last year. Uh, so now adding Horford, that kind of flexibility is easier for them to do. Uh, I think the one guy that's going to be, you know, counted on night and night out, and that same role he was last year is Ben Simmons. And that's mainly because – he wasn't necessarily a go-to scorer. He was a, the facilitator of the team, pretty much only scoring in the paint. Maybe he added a jump shot this offseason. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, fingers crossed, I guess. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how some guys step in, how Horford and Richardson, you know, come into and step into this mold here. Yeah, Ben Simmons is one of those guys that, you know, has triple-double upside when he has good games. So, yeah. you know, the interesting thing, too, is, like, they added Greg Monroe and Kyle O'Quinn. So, like, they could give and beat days off when they need to, and they probably will, but – Philly's playing for the playoffs. They're not, you know, that's yeah. fine with me. Uh, Phoenix Suns, whole oh buddy. Um, man, oh, man. Like, there's been some teams that we've talked about where I've really agreed with some of the moves, but this is one of those teams where I don't, like, love the moves they made. Um, I hate the fact that they traded TJ Warren away, um, Josh Jackson away. Like, these are guys that, like, I think had upside. I love the fact that they traded Holmes away and – we could see eight and play 30 plus minutes a night this year, but they added Ricky Rubio. They added Dario Sarge. Um, they drafted Cameron Johnson and um, Ty Jerome in the first round. Obviously Phoenix is about one guy in my, or two guys technically because Aiton, but Dev, Devin Booker is the guy here. Um, he's going to be a high usage guy. I'm really excited for like, Phoenix game stacks, but I think in like, when we look at records, they're going to be a team that's not going to be very good. Yeah, uh, Devin Booker was one of the guys I played probably most last season. Um, the thing for me here is R- Ricky Rubio's coming in, and he's going to play point guard. So Devin Booker played a lot of point guard last year. Interesting to see if he gets the time with the ball in his hands because he had pretty good assist numbers last year. So that'll be interesting. Um, I do agree with you about the T.J. Warren thing. I would have agreed with you a little bit less if they had kept Josh Jackson. Getting rid of both of them is kind of odd to me. But uh, I think Kelly Oubre is an amazing player. I think getting that, getting that, them getting him was just an amazing pickup, and that's probably part of the reason why they got rid of those two. Uh, but, yeah, you're totally right. Booker and Aiton are the, are the show here. And, you know, Booker is probably a top 20 player this year. 
uh, in my opinion. He's an amazing young player, and I think he's going to have an amazing season. Aiden, if he stays healthy, he's another guy that could have a yeah. monster fantasy year. And, you know, Dario Sarge, if he plays 30 minutes a night, he's a guy that fills the stat sheet. So a lot yeah. of different ways you can look at Phoenix. Portland, they signed Whiteside um, with a trade, that big trade that went down. They signed um, – they traded with Bazemore as well. They did sign Mario Hazonia and Pau Gasol. They lost Aminu, Cancer, Curry, Turner, Harkless, Lehman, and Leonard. Um, it, 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 you know, you look at this Portland team, and obviously, like, Dam- Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum are always interesting. The thing that is, is like, we're going to see, like, are we going to get consistent minutes out of Whiteside? Like, even if it's 26 to 28 minutes a night, like, are we going to have those consistent minutes? Because, like, they still have Zach Collins there. Nurkic is – I don't know how long Nurkic is out for still um, off the top of my head. But, you know, is Whiteside going to get consistent minutes is my biggest, like, question mark going into the season for Portland. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the thing. I think they really brought in Whiteside in hopes that I think Nurkic is expected to be out, you know, half the year, if not a little bit more. Uh, he had a pretty significant, I think it was a knee injury. So uh, I do think that Whiteside's gonna have to step in to play that role because they tried to play Zach Collins uh, in those significant minutes in the playoffs and at the end of the year, and he this was really was getting kind of dominated by you know bigger centers. But I think Zach Collins is a guy who can step in and play the power forward position, and that'd be pretty effective for them in my opinion. Right now, I think they have. Anthony Tolliver as their projected starting power forward. Um, so that's obviously not ideal. I think we see Zach Collins play, get, get a lot of time at the four, if not even start there. He's a guy that can stretch the floor. He has a decent three-point shot. Um, but for me, it gets really, you know, murky at these wings. You know, C.J. McCollum's the guy, but Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore, Mario Hazonia should get some time. There are a lot of guys here. Um, but then, obviously, you got Damian Lillard, who should just, you know, absolutely be a beast no matter what, night in, night out. Uh, Sacramento Kings, they added Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, Holmes. Um, they lost Willie Cauley-Stein, Alec Burks. For the most part, um, not a totally different look here, but, you know, going into the season, I think that we see Marvin Bagley, Harrison, Bur- Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Darian Fox be the main targets here. Depending on the minutes that, like, Dwayne Dedman plays and Richard Holmes plays, like, they could be potential options, but to quickly summarize the Kings, like most nights you're going to be probably playing one of the four main pieces here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Buddy Heald thing unfolds. He's uh, pretty unhappy with the contract situation right now. He was talking about it pretty openly in the public uh, with the media in the locker room today. So he is like on the verge of requesting a trade, it appears. So that'll be interesting to see how that you know shakes out. Darren Fox is a, is a huge usage guy, a fast-paced guy, someone you love for fantasy. The only thing is we saw his price get up there big time. And then looking at the the first Wednesday slate, uh, I looked at the Fando price. Marvin Bagley is priced at like 8K. So that's nowhere near. That's almost double what we saw him at, at times last year. So Marvin Bagley is a different player this year, priced differently. I just hope that Dwayne Dedman and Rashad Holmes and Swanigan and Barnes and Giles, they don't get in the way of Bagley's minutes, which, you know, I just named a lot of names that are pretty viable to, you know, get minutes. So it appears that it could be a pretty big issue. Another team you got to really pay attention to the first, you know, you know, first couple weeks of the season um, is Sacramento. Uh, the Spurs, <laughs> the Spurs are the Spurs, man. They they really didn't add much. They added Trey Lyles and Demar Carroll. Um, Bertans is gone, which was kind of interesting. They did have um, they had two first round picks. I'm pretty sure. Um, honestly, heading into the season, like Demar Derozan, Lamarcus Aldridge, always interesting plays. 
DeJounte Murray is the guy that I'm kind of high on heading into the season. Um, if he can stay healthy, he's he's a really lengthy, interesting point guard type play. Yeah, I think DeJounte Murray is kind of a guy that, you know, projects to be similar to John Rant. Uh, he kind of is a triple-double machine. We saw him put up quite a few triple-doubles in that first year that he had when he was healthy. So he's I project him to get a lot of minutes and be a pretty significant part of this team. Um, the only issue is he's probably going to fall third in line. And then uh, you got a guy like Derek White who, you know, showed pretty big strides as one of the primary players on this team last year. So it'll be interesting to see how those two uh, shake out in this, in this roster. Toronto Raptors. Kawhi's gone. Danny Green's gone. Uh, they brought in Stanley Johnson. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Cameron Payne. You know, looking at this team, Sykem is the guy that obviously I'm super excited about this year heading into the year. Kyle Lowry. Um, I'm just hoping that like Rondé Hollis Jefferson doesn't eat into like Sykem's minutes. Um, but like, this is another team that like you can correlate a stack pretty easily with Kyle Lowry and um, Pascal Sykem. Um, like, I, I feel like those are going to be your two main pieces because honestly, once you get past those guys, there's just so many pieces um, on this team. We could see the minutes really, really spread out here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just looking at this roster, the shooting guard in the small four position with Norman Powell, Onan Yobi, OG, that's what I call him, Stanley Johnson and Patrick McCall. Those are like four, like the the wing wasteland guys who people have wanted to play in DFS the past years and they just haven't really panned out. Um, but Siakam should just be an absolute monster. He's another guy who should be targeted pretty highly, you know, top two, maybe three rounds uh, in season long. If you're playing season long NBA, Siakam should just be an absolute monster, both usage fantasy for minute and minutes. Yeah. And like, you know, you add Stanley Johnson, you add Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. It just gets really murky after you get past Lowry and Sykem. So, yep. Um, all right, two more teams <laughs> that 15 minutes. Um, yeah. Utah Jazz added Mike Conley, um, Bojan Bodanovich, um, Jeff Green at Davis, Emmanuel Moutier. Um, they drafted a couple guys, but outside the first round, they lost Derek Favors, Kyle Korver, Ricky Rubio. This is a team when you head into the season, like I'm super excited to play all the Donovan Mitchell here because when you look at this team – Where's the usage? And, uh, like, this is a team where I feel like the usage, you can really predict Mitchell to get a ton of usage because Rudy Gobert is not a high usage guy. Bojan is not a really high usage guy. Mike Conley is a guy that can get a ton of assists. Joe Ingles is an assist guy. If they end up playing Jeff Green, like, 25 minutes a night, like, it would be on the second unit, so it won't really matter too much. But I think a lot of the production and usage on Utah is going to be Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I think it's one of the, you know, those exciting small market teams, like how we saw Toronto kind of uh, surprise some people and, you know, put up together, you know, really good, just, you know, real life team performances and, and, and a good season. And I do agree, Donovan Mitchell should be the main focus of this offense. And uh, if he's not, that'd probably be because Mike Conley is. So I think those two are the guys that you're kind of going to want to target. Rudy Gobert is, you know, normally a pretty good fantasy option because he's never really priced too highly because that offensive usage isn't too high, but he's a really good uh, defender. It's a lot of block shots, a lot of rebounds. So that's kind of where he gets his value. So it's really nice to have, you know, a guy like Mitchell and a guy like Gobert or, you know, even Conley where they get their fantasy points in different ways. You know, Mitchell's primarily a scorer. Gobert is pro- primarily a rebounder and, and a block and a blocker, I guess, a block shotter, uh, however you want to say that. But, yeah, I think Mitchell should be a stud here. Um, and there's not really much more to say for me. Washington added uh, Isaiah Thomas-ish Smith. Um 
CJ Miles, Bertans, couple you know names. They lost Ariza, Dwight Howard, Bobby Portis, Sandorinsky, Jabari Parker, Jeff Green, Jonathan Simmons. <laughs> they re-signed Thomas Bryant. They um, Ria Huchamura. Um, I probably pronounced his name wrong too, but. Heading into the season, John Wall not really expected to play. If he does, it'll be really late in the year. So when we're looking at this team, Bradley Bill, Thomas Bryant um, seem like guys that should get uh, enough minutes here to be really relevant. But are they going to give Isaiah Thomas run? Are they going to give a Smith run? Like who's going to be the point guard type play here for Washington is something that we're going to have to pay attention to. And Hachimura, I know I'm saying his name wrong. I don't care. Hachimura, I think it is. Yeah, like he was super impressive in the summer leagues. Um, a lot of, lot of, lot of buzz around him, and he's a guy that like this team he could get minutes. And if that happens, like if he's a guy that you know can get minutes, like he's interesting, especially if it takes sites a while to project or to predict his pricing or up up his pricing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think at the same position, Mo Wagner's another guy who has been you know pretty highly touted you know he we had saw him have some you know bad highlights last year with him you know getting hit in the head on a pass from LeBron and stuff like that but overall they brought him in for a reason you know they gave up a good amount to get him you know just allowing the Lakers to have that extra slot and you know kind of ruining that that kind of momentum they had for their cap purposes so Wagner is a, is a key asset I think they added the thing I look at when I see these Wizards is outside of Beal all of these guys are you know, either average or terrible defenders. So Thomas Bryant is pretty bad defensively. Bertan's pretty bad defensively, and he's undersized for a power forward. CJ Miles pretty bad defensively. Beal's pretty good defensively. And then Isaiah Thomas, if he gets a start, is just terrible defensively. So this is a team that you're going to want to target players against. Uh, but in turn, you know, they're a pretty high-paced team, so they might be playing catch-up a little bit. A guy like Bradley Beal is going to have an insane amount of usage. If Rui Hashimura gets a good amount of time, I kind of would assume he would be pretty involved. So I think this is going to have some fantasy relevance. But overall, I think the main thing for Washington is they're probably going to be your best team to target. Yeah, and, like, if you're targeting a lot of them, that means that they're going to be playing from behind and chucking. So, like, I really like Thomas Bryant. I hope he gets minutes and, you know, plays consistent minutes this year. But it would be really interesting to see what they kind of do here at point guard to start the season. Um like, is it going to be Jordan McRae? Is it going to be Ish Smith? Like, Isaiah Thomas just had surgery, I think, in the middle of September. So, there's a good chance he misses the first, you know, couple weeks of the season. So, trying to predict where the point guard minutes are going to be, uh, obviously, is going to be fun because they're going to be terrible on defense. So, <laughs> like, yeah. All right, that's it. We spent a ton of time, a lot more time than I was planning on breaking these teams down. But get it talking. You get excited the NBA is back. Kyle, I appreciate you joining me here. Uh, I think that people hopefully got a ton of great information here from us. And um, excited for NBA season. We'll be back Monday talking some Monday Night Football, talking maybe some NBA. But hope everyone has a great weekend, and we'll see you guys on Monday.